0: This episode is brought to you by Harry's.com, where you can get high quality shaving products for about half the price of name brand razors. Plus, get $5 off your order when you use the offer code BEST at checkout. Now, welcome to the award winning Best of Left podcast with clips today from Test Tube, The Young Turks, The Majority Report, Independent Lens from PBS, The David Pacman Show, Dan Savage, and Here and Now.
1: The U.S. recently pulled aid from Uganda in response to their president Yoweri Museveni making homosexuality a crime that in some cases is now punishable by life in prison. But outside of thinking, this is terrible, I didn't actually know much else about Uganda until now. First off, it's here, landlocked in the middle of Africa. It was under British rule from 1894 to 1962, which is a really long time to be under someone else's control. So needless to say, Uganda's transition to self-governance has not been that smooth. The 24 years after British rule saw numerous military coups in various regimes, the worst being Idi Amin's nine years serving as dictator in the 70s, where he killed at least 300,000 Ugandans and decimated their economy. Yes, he's the evil dictator played by Forrest Whitaker in The Last King of Scotland. After Idi Amin, there were a few more coups before the current president, Yoweri Museveni, took power in 1986. Early on, Museveni was seen as a positive step forward for Uganda and was even named a member of the new generation of African leaders by the West. This was a buzzworthy term we used in the 90s for African leaders we thought would bring democracy, basic human rights, and peace to the continent. But that's not really happening. Uganda is currently fighting a civil war with the Lord's Resistance Army, led by Joseph Kony. of Coney 2012 fame. Some of you may have bought a t-shirt. Uganda will also periodically go to war and invade the Democratic Republic of Congo and other nations in the region. It doesn't help that as one of the world's poorest countries, they experience common pre-industrialization problems, like child labor and human trafficking. He's definitely restricting freedom of assembly and censoring the media, but he's also persecuting political opponents, allowing torture and extrajudicial killings by security forces, and some say even committing acts of genocide against the Acholi people, which is a minority group in the northern part of the country. He's basically doing everything an evil dictator would do, but before he signed his name to that anti-gay bill, the U.S. was sending a lot of aid his way. And yet, it's not a surprise that he did sign it because Africa is not exactly the most LGBT-friendly place. 38 nations have laws in the books making homosexuality a crime. Uganda has had a law in place against buggery since the imperial British days. And for those of you who don't know, buggery is the old English way of saying sodomy. Plus, according to a recent poll, 79% of Ugandans think homosexuality is immoral. And a lot of the anti-gay sentiment stems from the current HIV epidemic in Uganda. But also, it does come from outside forces. One particularly vocal and bigoted outside force... American evangelical Christians. Evangelical Christian groups have been going on hate-spreading missions to Uganda for years. Most notably, a man named Scott Lively ran a seminar there called the Seminar on Exposing the Homosexuals' Agenda, and it's been reported that this and other efforts by evangelical groups including the Kansas-based International House of Prayer have actually influenced lawmakers to be more aggressively homophobic. Lively is currently being sued by a Ugandan gay rights group for inciting the persecution of gay men and lesbians in Uganda.
2: Evangelicals, to be specific, are very frustrated with the supreme court 's decision to deem same sex marriage constitutional, so as a result, they are taking their hate speech and their bigotry to other countries to try to influence the policies that they pass there. Now, this has already happened in Uganda, where evangelicals traveled to the country and tried to convince politicians there to pass legislation that would literally execute gay individuals if they are caught fornicating. But now it turns out that they're spreading to other countries, not just countries in Africa, but also places in Europe and South America. Now, one of these uh, right-wing evangelical people is Scott Lively. Scott Lively uh, went to Uganda. He did lectures on how terrible gay people are. He tried to make it seem as though Christians were under attack and they need to protect their rights. And according to the Huffington Post, uh, there are other people that are doing something very similar. So, as American evangelicals lose traction at home, they are increasingly finding receptive audiences abroad. Advocates on both sides of the aisle predict the Supreme Court's ruling will bolster evangelicals' efforts against LGBT rights overseas. So, evangelicals have helped build support for anti-gay laws, not only in Africa, but also in Russia, Eastern Europe, the Caribbean, and South America.
3: This son of a bitch went to the Soviet Union... Uh, in 2006 and 2007, and did a 50-city tour talking about how uh, gays are destroying society. And if you remember, all of a sudden, an anti-gay fervor arose in Russia right around the same time. Now, I don't know that they're directly correlated. You'd have to get into the nitty-gritty of how that movement began. And certainly it has a lot to do with Putin realizing that it is to his advantage to get people riled up on their religious views and their orthodox views and and use uh, gays as a foil, as as the right wing in this country has. But at a minimum, it didn't help that we had this American pastor go over there and rile people up and say, it's the gays, it's the gays, it's the gays. I don't know that that was the genesis of the movement in Russia against gays. Obviously, there's been actions against gays in russia for a long long time but there is a recent political movement started right around the same time against gays to take political advantage of that and to start by the way beating them down in the streets uh imprisoning them etc right i don't know if they just he just gave putin a bright idea like yeah why don't i do like bush did and the evangelicals in america did hate on the gays and get votes that way or it just was a happy coincidence that they happened at the same time but these guys are spreading their poison throughout the world.
2: Yes, so I'll give you an example. Um, Scott Lively and his evangelical cronies went to Uganda and they would do these conferences, these you know very, very popular anti-gay conferences where they would incite violence. And the reason why I say they would incite violence is because after one of these conferences, a group of bigots went to the home of a pro-gay activist and they literally murdered him. Okay. So this is the kind of stuff that's happening. And remember, these are the same evangelicals that also went to Uganda and they were pushing for legislation that would execute gay people, that would literally kill them just for being who they are. So they're realizing that they're losing the battle here in the United States and they need to go to other countries to influence them. And it's so disgusting, especially when they're doing this under the name or under the guise of morality. Your morality says that you should kill people? Really? Is, is that the love that you've learned from your religion? Let me give you a quote from Scott Lively. We may even see pushback from some progressives who will likely eventually start to recognize and value the natural family as humanity's ecosystem and move to protect it in the same manner that currently work to protect other threatened ecosystems. So listen to what he's saying there. He thinks that humanity is under attack, that if we allow gay marriage, well, then everyone's going to be gay and no one's going to procreate and that's going to be the end of humanity. First of all, that makes me think, sorry, that makes me think that he's gay, right? Because that makes it seem as though, oh, well, if we normalize gay behavior, well, then I'm going to be tempted to be gay. Everyone's going to be tempted to be gay and then no one's going to procreate. That's not the way it works, dude.
3: You'd work out your demons in your own private life, right? And don't spread those demons throughout the world. Speaking of which... One of the people he worked with is the brutal dictator Robert Mugabe in Zimbabwe. And he called American, Mugabe did, called American leaders perverted Satan worshipers for uh, homosexuals beginning to have the same rights as uh, straight Americans. Okay? So these are the guys that he works with. And then, so when you goad people and you say, oh, they're going to cause problems in your society, they're Satan worshipers, etc." what do you think is going to happen? One more from Lively. He said in one of his books, there is no question that homosexuality figures prominently in the history of the Holocaust. You asshole. They were killed in the Holocaust. You remember the pink triangles? The Nazis killed the homosexuals. They rounded them up, kind of like you want to do, right? Round them up. But then they took maybe an extra step, but I'm not sure it's much of an extra step because you're asking some of these governments to impose a death penalty on homosexuals. You have the gall to turn around and say that the gays had a role in doing the Holocaust? No. They had the pink triangles put on them. They were killed in the Holocaust.
2: I know, but you're using logic, Cenk. I mean, you're using logic and reasoning, whereas he's more interested in using propaganda to stir up fear and hate toward an entire group of people. That's what it's really about. I mean, either he's an idiot and he doesn't know what he's talking about, or I think it's more likely that he knows exactly what the truth is, but he knows how to rile people up.
4: There was another case last week. Well, I guess it was earlier in this week that um, did not get the attention that it deserves and has a, 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 a idiosyncratic place in my heart. And I think it'll be clear to some people as to why, particularly long-term listeners of this program. A New Jersey court earlier in June found that an organization that was supposedly offering ex-gay conversion therapy had violated the state's Consumer Fraud Protection Act. (laughs) There was a group called Jonah, for short, Jews Offering New Alternatives for Healing, for longer which uh, claimed to clients that it could change their sexual orientation in accordance with a strain of orthodox Judaism Sam Harris was outside protesting oh no he wasn't, I'm sorry uh, the, the suit was brought by Southern Poverty Law Center on behalf of five plaintiffs that um, Jonah therapists subjected their clients to a number of humiliating acts And this is the part that long-term listeners will resonate with them. One plaintiff, Benjamin Unger, says his therapist encouraged him to beat a pillow with a tennis racket, a pillow which was meant to symbolize his mother. Mom! 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 Why did
5: you do that to me?!
4: And that is actually the, um, was the head of Jonah <laughs> beating his own mom pillow. I had a huge gash and my hands were actually bleeding from hitting it so much. Brian, uh, Benjamin Unger said, uh, people were standing around me, supporting me and kind of egging me on. And that was probably the worst thing I did in the Jonah program as far as how it affected me and my family and how it affected me emotionally. Clients were also told to shout anti-gay slurs at a pair of oranges, which represented testicles. <laughs>
3: what the fuck?
4: At one particularly atrocious session, this is from the lawsuit, a counselor instructed a plaintiff to select someone from the group to role-play his past abuser. The selected participant was made to yell abusive statements that the abuser's that the plaintiff's abuser had made, such as, I won't love you anymore if you don't give me oral sex. The plan of uh, the Jonah founder, Arthur Goldberg, was to turn gay Jewish men into straight Jewish men. But according to the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center's suit, it it just effed them up emotionally. I don't think that was actually the language. Um the plaintiffs were awarded seventy-two thousand dollars in uh, damages, but uh, now it uh, it's up to a judge to determine whether or not Jonah can keep its counseling license since it has uh, been in violation of the I know. <laughs> what? <laughs> that that's insane.
6: What are you talking about?
4: So uh, I wanted to just note that case for obviously for sentimental reasons and. I mean, it seems to me at this point, I mean, as bizarre as it looks to us now, I mean, can you imagine in 10 years the idea of, well, it looks pretty bizarre now. have here with us real trailblazers in marriage equality. Back in April of 1975, two men, Tony Sullivan and Richard Adams, were legally married because there was a courageous and principled county clerk. May I introduce to you that county clerk, Clela Rorex, and the two men, Richard Adams and Tony Sullivan. Uh, Where are you? I understand you're in the audience. Would you rise? Ah. Kayla issued the licenses to partners of the same sex. And of course, we took one and ran with it. And we couldn't have done that without her.
7: Grown up in a small town in Colorado, where there was only one black person so the issue of discrimination never came up for me. The first eye-opener for me was when I got married and my first husband was stationed at Guantanamo Bay. Unlike most military officers' wives, I worked and worked with a lot of Cuban commuters and exiles. So that was my... My first experience really working with people of color, if you went to a movie, they had segregated seating, and that was shocking to me. Upon returning to the States, I became involved in the women's movement and pushed by my women's movement group. I declared myself a candidate for the office of county clerk and recorder in 1974. To my surprise, I won the election. I had never had a hint that the subject of gay marriage would come up, but in 1975, a gay couple came to me and asked for a marriage license. I was being faced with a profound moral issue of would I discriminate against two people of the same sex when I had been so involved for the last few years of my life of fighting discrimination against women. I thought I would have to get a legal opinion on it from our district attorney and they determined that there was nothing in the Colorado Marriage Code that would prohibit me from issuing a marriage license to two people of the same sex if I wanted to do so. And at that point I gave the first same-sex marriage license. was very naive about the degree of animosity that emerged. I was a single parent. People were calling my home. They didn't care whether my son answered or I answered, saying I was going to hell. People from all over the country wrote letters. I issued six marriage licenses before the state attorney general said that I should stop. They've now had 35 years or so to grow into the decision that I made. And it's given me a conviction that has only grown stronger over time. Tony and Richard, they do stand out in my memory because they wanted a license to keep Tony from being deported back to Australia.
6: Tony is an Australian citizen and he's seeking, uh, through Richard, to be permitted to stay in this country on a permanent basis as the spouse of an American citizen.
8: Well, hello, how are you?
7: How are How are you? Uh, good. How
4: are you? I remember the abuse you took
7: i say i'm grateful that somehow i had the courage to make the decision i did i would be horrified if i hadn't made that decision out of the blue you came with this wonderful gift you helped change the world well thank you yes. thanks
0: This show is sponsored by Harry's.com, makers of fine razors and other shaving supplies. Basically, a couple of guys took a look at the current state of the shaving industry, realized it was all around terrible, and decided to do it better. And That's what Harry's has done. Their blades are first-rate. They're made in a German factory where they've been making these kinds of precision blades for 95 years, and they're available for about half the price of the big-name competitors. Harry's products aren't just better and cheaper, though. They're also easier to purchase because you get everything Online and shipping is free. They have a starter kit that comes with a razor handle, blades, and their excellent shaving cream, all for just 15 bucks, and using the coupon code BEST at checkout takes another five dollars off of that. That's Harry's H A R R Y S dot com and enter the coupon code BEST at checkout for $5 off the starter set and start shaving smarter today.
9: Anti gay, bigoted county clerk from Rowan County, Kentucky, Kim Davis, has been jailed. The backstory is that after the Supreme Court ruled that state same sex marriage bans are not okay, Kim Davis refused to give marriage licenses to same sex couples. This blew up. She eventually stopped giving anybody marriage licenses, regardless of whether it was a same sex couple or not. And ultimately, she was called into court yesterday where a federal judge ordered her to be jailed because of her refusal to issue marriage licenses based on what she says are her religious beliefs in spite of the fact that the Supreme Court already had ruled against her. She was sent to jail by Judge David Bunning of Federal District Court who said, quote, her good faith belief is simply not a viable defense. Going on to say the court, cannot condone the willful disobedience of its lawfully issued order, if you give people the opportunity to choose which orders they follow, that's what potentially causes problems. Yeah, I'll say, this opt-out mentality of, we believe in the law, except when we don't like the law, and then we don't believe in the law anymore. The judge said, I myself have genuinely held religious beliefs, but I took an oath mrs davis took an oath oaths mean things Rand Paul didn't like it he's a presidential candidate and a senator don't worry he has no chance whatsoever of winning the Republican nomination he said that it is quote absurd to put someone in jail for exercising their religious liberties of course exercising religious liberties does not mean ignoring your duties and the reality that we have a separation of church and state in this country and you are a public official who has to do their job. As marshals removed Miss Davis from the courtroom, she looked at the judge and said, "Thank you, Judge." Now, what about Kim Davis's deputies, which include her son, the uh, deputy clerks? Judge Bunning told them very clearly, all five of them, they are free to issue marriage licenses to all applicants while Kim Davis is held in contempt, but that they would face fines or jail if they refused to comply. And this was some of the concern that uh, with her son Nathan Davis taking over, that it was going to be sort of more of the same. And the judge sort of trying to preempt that by saying, don't uh, get any ideas here. Let's think back for a second to that Hobby Lobby case, where it was argued that if uh, a woman who was an employee of a company that did not include contraception in their health care benefits because of religious beliefs that if a woman disagreed with that decision that they should simply find another job it seems like that what we learned from that horrible hobby lobby case should tell us what should happen here Ms. davis should find another job a davis supporter named danny kinder is quoted as saying they're taking rights away from christians and this is the fundamental misunderstanding here bigotry is not a right it is not freedom of religion miss davis is free to marry whoever she wants and by the way she has many many times way more than her sincerely held religious beliefs would prescribe to her but she cannot deny others liberty specifically the type of liberty that is made very clear to be legal under the law and that was recently upheld by the supreme court of the united states which is preventing same-sex couples from getting married is not legal Let me give you an example that I thought of let's say so I'm Jewish but I'm not I'm not religiously Jewish but those who are very religious within the, the Jewish Jewish faith uh, often keep kosher and if you keep kosher you can't mix meat and dairy There are very strict dietary guidelines Imagine that I was an Orthodox Jewish county clerk and someone wanted to open up a cheeseburger joint where you would be taking cow beef, and putting cheese on it a very very clear violation of my sincerely held religious beliefs I would have no right as a government official who has been hired to perform specific duties to deny this person a permit to register their business on the grounds that hey my signature is on it it doesn't matter if I'm eating the dairy mixed with the beef my signature is on it and my religious beliefs don't allow it, and I would somehow be condoning it nobody would buy that and it would never become this big of a thing because it is not nearly as controversial as what Christians have done right-wing extreme Christians have done with gay marriage the problem though and I don't know how long Kim Davis is going to stay in jail Uh, she may already be out for all I know Uh, the problem is she is going to be seen as a martyr she now is going to be pointed to by all of those who claim there's a war on Christianity when in reality this is a situation of no it's just upholding the law everybody who thinks there's a war on christianity a war on christmas all of that stuff an attack on faith they will say look jailed for not approving of gay marriage and that of course could not be further from the truth here the honorable thing for her to do would be to resign her job in protest she would have earned the respect of many more people rather than just these extremist loons on the right What she is doing here is holding people hostage based on her beliefs, which should have no place whatsoever in the public sphere, particularly because she is an employee of the county of the state. She is a government employee. Tax dollars are funding her salary, and that is that. We will continue to follow it. Surprising to many that she ended up in jail thinking there would be fines, there might be uh, some kind of dismissal. From her job, but no, she ended up in jail, and we will continue to follow it. Many nights of limping round and pagan holidays. Oh, elope with me in private, and we'll set something a place. A trail for the devil to erase. San Francisco's calling us the Giants' will play. Piazza New I'll catch your eye, straight at Are you gay we hung about the stadium we got night to stay.
5: I saw it coming. I knew that Kim Davis was going to be America's most famous persecuted Christian lady martyr bigot. When the story first broke, months and months ago, when Kim Davis, in June refused to issue marriage licenses to same-sex couples as the county clerk, elected county clerk in Rowan County, Kentucky, I knew how this was going to play out. We'd seen with the pizza parlor owners who refused to cater a gay wedding. Not that anyone ever actually asked them to cater a gay wedding, but they refused preemptively to cater any gay weddings. And then somebody said something mean about them on Yelp, and they closed their pizza parlor, and sweet, sweet bigot money rained down on the owners of that pizza parlor. One million dollars was raised online from gullible rubes to make them feel better about being anti-gay bigots that someone said something mean about online. That's what Kim Davis's goal was all along. I saw it coming, that when she said she wasn't going to issue those licenses, I knew what was going to happen. There would be court cases. She would defy court orders. She would defy ultimately the Supreme Court of the United States, and then she would be held in contempt of court and sent to prison. And then marriage licenses would be issued, which is what happened. Marriage licenses are now being issued in Rowan County, Kentucky, to same-sex couples and opposite-sex couples while Kim Davis is in prison. And Mike Huckabee and Rick Santorum and Pat Robertson run around the country claiming, Mike Huckabee says, that this is the beginning of the illegalization of Christianity and the persecution of Christians in the United States of America, which it is not and proof that it is not as Mike Huckabee is a free man. If we were rounding up Christian conservatives, if we were rounding up opponents of marriage equality and throwing them in jail for opposing marriage equality and being Christians, Mike Huckabee would be in jail. And he ain't. All along, Kim Davis's goal was sweet, sweet bigot money. She says it's about defending traditional marriage. She says it's about the Bible. She says it's about faith and Jesus. But let's look at her own conduct briefly, shall we? Kim Davis, who doesn't think gay couples should be allowed to marry because the Bible, has been married four times and divorced three times. She was pregnant by her third husband while still married to her first husband, and then she got her second husband to adopt the children that she had by the man who would eventually become her third husband, and then she divorced her third husband and married her fourth husband, who was also her first husband. It's hard to keep track. Kim Davis's family tree is about as Baroque as the Hopsburg family tree. You need a flow chart, an Excel spreadsheet, and an abacus to track it. The Bible forbids adultery and divorce. And Kim Davis, despite her sincerely held religious beliefs, never denied herself a divorce, never denied herself a second, third, fourth marriage. All adulterous, according to the Bible that Kim Davis points to when she wants to tell someone else what they are not allowed to do, but doesn't glance at when she's figuring out what she wants to do. And I think Kim Davis is a perfect example of what passes for Christianity in America today, for the pathetic bullshit that passes for Christianity in America today. Because thanks to the efforts of hate groups like the American Family Association, the Family Research Council, the 700 Club, the Moral Majority, the National Organization for Marriage, the National Association of Evangelicals, and frankly, the mousy, near complicit silence of left-wing and progressive Christians, Christian now is synonymous with anti-gay bigot. To be a good American Christian like Kim Davis or a good Alaskan Christian like Bristol Palin, you don't have to stay in your first marriage. You don't have to stop sitting on the dicks of random men who aren't your husband. You don't have to deny marriage licenses to straight people, in Kim Davis's case, who are remarrying or marrying outside the faith or obtaining marriage licenses for godless secular marriages. No, the only thing you have to do to be a good Christian in America, according to all these right-wing batshit nuts, is hate homos. Hate the homos and you are right with the God of Tony Perkins and Josh Duggar. Hate the homos and you are good. You're in with American Jesus. Toss in support for capital gains, tax cuts, and American Jesus loves you even more. You don't have to feed the sick. You don't have to clothe the naked. You don't have to house the homeless. You don't have to do any of that shit Jesus actually ever talked about. You just have to hate the homos hard enough to go to jail for your beliefs. No, wait, to cash in on your bigotry which is what Kim Davis is doing. The people around Kim Davis, the lawyers from the odious Theocratic Liberty Council, what they're doing is they're trying to create a radical new definition of religious freedom in this country. That religious freedom does not mean that you are entitled to your own religious beliefs. It means that you are entitled to impose your religious beliefs on others, that you have a right to trample on other people's rights to overrule them, to interfere with them, if you can point to a sincerely held religious belief as a justification. But only if you're Christian. At the same time the Kim Davis story was dominating the headlines, a Muslim flight attendant was suspended from her job for refusing to serve alcohol on a flight. The Liberty Council did not rush to defend her, sincerely held religious beliefs on her part, that people should not drink alcohol. People had no problem looking at that Muslim flight attendant and saying, well, if you don't want to serve alcohol, you shouldn't have this job. Same goes for Kim Davis. You don't want to make with the marriage licenses? You shouldn't have this job. You are not forced to be the county clerk. You chose to be the county clerk. If the duties of the county clerk conflict with your beliefs, then don't be the county clerk. If serving alcohol on that flight conflicts with your beliefs, don't be a flight attendant. Religious freedom is this. I don't eat pork. It's against my religion. So I don't work in a place that serves pork. The Liberty Council wants religious freedom to be, I don't eat pork, and I'm going to knock that ham sandwich the fuck out of your mouth if you try to eat one yourself. And I'm going to get a job in a place that serves ham and refuse to serve it so that nobody can have ham because my religion doesn't allow people to eat ham. That ain't religious freedom. That is religious tyranny. That is religious people persecuting other people who are not of their same faith and who are entitled to their own rights to a fucking ham sandwich or a marriage license. But the Liberty Council's after here, this radical redefinition of religious freedom, is about replacing the rule of law with the rule of my imaginary friends versus your imaginary friends versus his imaginary friends. And that's not really gonna work. In a multi ethnic, multicultural, multi faith, and within faiths, multi denominational society, that is a recipe for a war of all against all. That is a recipe for civic chaos. The Kim Davis saga, as I sit here recording, is still unfolding. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out, but I'm certain it's going to play out exactly as I have predicted all along. She's going to be showered in money, there's going to be a ghost-written book, and she is going to go on the poor persecuted Christian martyr lady speaking circuit for the next few years. And then we are never going to hear from Kim Davis ever again. And personally, I'm looking forward to that blessed day.
9: Let's talk a little bit about whether elected officials should have to obey the law. I actually think there is not always a clear answer here in the sense that if a law were passed segregating black and white water fountains, right, back in the old days, in the segregation days, let's put aside the obvious constitutional issues, just let's explore this hypothetically. If a law was passed saying you have to segregate black and white water fountains in your school, I would support resisting that law, right? So I am not personally of the opinion that no matter what the law is, it always needs to be followed by the letter. There can be bad laws; slavery was legal, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But some groups have taken a very definitive position on that. So the uh, Pathos has a great post about this. Liberty Council is defending bigoted Kentucky County Clerk Kim Davis and Liberty Council says she is being held as a prisoner for her religious beliefs in other words they say she has a religious objection to the law and the government ought to accommodate her request not to have to sign those marriage licenses even if it means that gay couples who pay taxes in the county and are subject to the laws which allow gay marriage have to go to the next county over but that same organization Liberty Council had a different view when gay marriages were not legal for example in 2004 Liberty Council wrote an amicus brief to stop San Francisco's mayor Gavin Newsom from issuing marriage licenses to gay couples they said these decisions involved mandamus actions brought against public officials to compel the official to perform a purely ministerial duty which the challenge statute required him or her to perform as a public office holder the rationale of these decisions was that a public official could not refuse to perform a purely ministerial duty required of him of her of him or her by the challenge statute on the basis that the statute was unconstitutional under this rationale the public official had no discretion to choose whether to perform or not to perform a purely ministerial duty required of his or her office, and the public official could not interpose an allegation of unconstitutionality of the statute which mandated the performance. That's a complex one. Let me read to you another one that is simpler. In Wooden v. Louisiana Tax Commission, respondents are obligated to follow the marriage laws as currently written. That is the Liberty Council saying, hey, if you're an elected official, you must follow the marriage laws as written. That's not the same opinion that the same organization has about Kim Davis now that gay marriage is legal. What a surprising turn of events, Lewis, in the opinion of the Liberty Council.
10: Yeah, not
0: surprising at all because this isn't about the law at all. This is about your religious code and your religious ideals. So the game that these religious zealots have to play is, how can we mess with the law or how can we interpret the law to further our agenda? And
9: um, as you can see here, it doesn't always work out that well. It's the opt-out mentality of this is the law and we generally are in favor of following the law, particularly when the law is anti-gay, except if all of a sudden you have a pro-equality law, well, anybody with religious convictions that conflict with that should be able to opt out of following the same laws that we think should be followed a hundred percent when they happen to coincide with our worldview
0: You joining these actions and helping amplify the show to get even more people involved is critical to our mission to change the world for the better. Get started right now in the show notes on the device you're using, or visit the website from any device at (laughs) bestoftheleft.com.
8: Well,
4: it seems like ages ago now, but it was only a little more than a month ago that the Supreme Court opened the door for same-sex couples to get married legally all across the country. Well, almost. Because of tribal sovereignty, the ruling does not apply on Native American tribal lands, and the majority of tribal nations do not recognize same-sex marriage. Kate Carlton Greer from KGOU in Norman, Oklahoma, reports.
11: Justin and Shara Giles both live in and work for the Muskogee Creek Nation in northeast Oklahoma. They were married by members of the tribe a few years ago, and now as they sit in Justin's office and flip through wedding pictures, both laugh and swap memories.
8: We had
6: traditional food as well. So we're talking about Chittahaga, uh salt meat, fried bread, which is an adopted traditional food. <laughs> Um,
11: The couple incorporated colors from the Muskogee Creek seal and the women wore traditional ribbon dresses.
6: We were all decked out in that. Even my um, groomsmen and our our bridesmaids were all uh, decked out in uh, what would you consider our contemporary traditional versions of our clothing.
11: If everything was creek... You know, this was, was our big, fat Creek wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
10: that's right.
11: The Muskogee Creek Nation recognizes Justin's and Shara's marriage. Even if the state had issued their marriage license, it'd be legal on the tribal land because of reciprocity. But it's not the same for LGBTQ couples. Shara Giles is the tribe's secretary for the Department of Community and Human Services. Our current tribal law does not recognize same-sex marriages, whether they were performed at another tribe or state. Um, They're just not recognized here. For gay Muscogee Creek members like Dinah Harjo, that's hard, especially after the Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage in all 50 states earlier this summer. You know, when you're growing up, you you don't dream about planning your civil union. (laughs) You know, you, you dream about... Uh, having a wedding and having the people that you love, um, and the people that love you and support you being there. When Harjo first heard about the Supreme Court's decision, she says she was elated. But because of tribal sovereignty, the Muscogee Creek Nation and the other 566 tribes across the country don't have to recognize marriage equality. Right now, most don't. Harjo lives about two hours away in Oklahoma City and could get a marriage license through the state. But it hurts that her tribe wouldn't recognize it. Just because I may be disconnected in terms of mileage, my opinion is we are still their people and
2: we need to eliminate barriers of discrimination.
11: Some tribes, like the Cheyenne and Arapaho, don't have limitations on who can marry. Laura Byrd, is with the National Congress of American Indians. Tribe by tribe, each has the right to make their own laws um, that benefit the health and well-being of their citizens. Each tribe has a unique heritage and set of beliefs, so it's nearly impossible to create one decision for all nations. But something NCAI has formalized is its support for two-spirit people. That's the phrase used to describe LGBT tribal members. The organization passed a resolution this summer that declares its support for all tribal members and encourages tribes to pursue government policy changes that would support two-spirits in all aspects of their lives within their communities, including health care, employment, and family. And a heated discussion is taking place across Indian country. Again, Justin Giles from the Muscogee Creek Nation.
6: It's a divided conversation. I mean, uh, it really is. You're seeing some folks saying, no, we had a two-spirit society, and that's, I'm talking in a general sense as far as Indian country goes. And then also, of course, I'm hearing, you know, heck no, we're never going to do that.
11: Giles says that over the decades, the Muscogee Creek culture and religion has absorbed aspects of Christianity, and that plays into the discussion as well. Both he and his wife would like to see same-sex marriage legalized on tribal land. But Sheriff says at least when it comes down to the rights of the couple on Muscogee Creek land, there's no difference between a same-sex couple and a married man and wife. Their nation recognizes a household.
10: When we look at services, that doesn't limit us. Do we recognize your
11: marriage? No. But do we recognize you as a family unit? Yes. Unless Congress decides to mandate same-sex marriage on reservations by passing a bill, it could continue to be a slow trickle of tribes that allow couples to marry no matter their sexual orientation. For Here and Now, I'm Kate Carlton Greer.
7: quiet
6: and tired and mean Looking at a scene. Tried to make you mad at me Over the phone And times I'm taken by a nursery rhyme. I wanna make a
2: Tennessee store owner recently put up a sign in front of his business saying no gays allowed. In fact, we have a picture of the sign, and as jarring as it may seem... What he did was completely legal. This is something that Vox actually brought attention to. And it's really important to let people know that even though the Supreme Court has ruled in favor of same-sex marriage, there are many states in this great country that do not offer protections for members of the LGBT community. Let me give you some examples. Now, first, let's talk about that sign and where it came from. Jeff Amex, who is not part of the credit card company, a Baptist <laughs> minister who owns Amex Hardware and Roofing Supplies told WBIR 10 News that he put up the sign because he's religiously opposed to gay and lesbian couples and that he has no intent of taking the sign down. Now, he will not suffer any consequences for putting that sign up because in Tennessee, there are very little protections for members of the LGBT community and private companies can pretty much do what they want, include fire people, just based solely on their sexual orientation. Now let me give you some more details on that. Currently 19 states ban discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity, while three additional states ban discrimination based on sexual orientation. Some other states protect public, but not private employees from discrimination. There are 31 states right now that don't fully ban discrimination against sexual orientation and gender identity. So it doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is or if you're a member of the transgender community, these states do not offer protections. Now, I should also note that this is a very complicated situation because within those states, there there might be municipalities that offer some protections. Mm -hmm. There might be some companies that provide protections. But unlike things like race, there isn't a... Blanket policy in place that protects these individuals. Now, of course, there's a the Civil Rights Act, and the Civil Rights Act does protect people based on uh, their gender or based on their race, but it does not protect those who are part of the LGBT community, and that's something that people don't necessarily know about. Yeah. Let me give you an example. In a 2014 poll from YouGov and the Huffington Post, 62% of respondents said, it was already illegal under federal law to fire someone for being gay or lesbian, which, of course, is not true. 14% said it was legal, and 25% said they weren't sure. So only 14% of respondents in that survey were accurate. It is mm-hmm. not illegal.
1: Okay? Yeah. Yeah, well, p- people have been told that the gay the gay agenda, the gay movement so strong, they probably will err on the side of saying that they've accomplished what they haven't already accomplished. Uh, this guy kind of makes... The, the bakers who were anti-gay look kind of reasonable because at least the baker had to, like, put two male names on a cake. Like, he had to do something. Like, a guy walks into your hardware store and picks up a wrench, and then you say, you fucking men? Like, you don't have to participate in any way. You don't even need to talk to the customer. What does it matter? How could it possibly matter to you?
2: It's... we have a certain population of people in the country who are willfully hateful and ignorant. Mm-hmm. And this man falls under that category. But despite him, it's really important to inform people about what the realities are yeah. for the LGBT community in the United States. They don't have as many protections as the vast majority of us think they do. Yeah, that's And true. if people think that they have those protections, then it's much harder for the LGBT community to become part of the Civil Rights Act, mm-hmm. okay? It's much harder for them to convince people that there's more work to be done. There is more work to be done. I mean, obviously, there have been great strides within the last five years. If you asked me ten years ago whether or not same-sex marriage would be legal today, I would say no. So we have come a long way, but the fight is far from over.
4: You think you got it, boy. you think you got it, got it, just don't get it till there's nothing at all. Get together, oh, we get together But separate's always better And there's feelings involved If what they say, that nothing is forever But what makes, the what makes, the what makes Love the exceptions Why, 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 why Are we so in denial
8: when we know we're not happy
0: You've reached the activism portion of today's show. Now that you're informed and angry, here's what you can do about it. Today's activism, the Every Child Deserves a Family Act. Kim Davis's claims that she could prevent same-sex couples from becoming state-recognized families to protect her personal religious beliefs may have been illegal, but around the country, adoption agencies are allowed to claim such conscience clauses apply to them. Mississippi has the last outright ban on same-sex couple adoption, and it's currently being challenged in court by the Campaign for Southern Equality. However, only a handful of states outright protect LGBT people from being discriminated against in the fostering and adoption. Option process. Others have laws, like the one Michigan passed just this summer, specifically to allow faith based groups to refuse to serve same sex and unmarried prospective parents. All the leading national child welfare associations universally agree children raised by LGBTQ parents have the same social and emotional development and the same outcomes as those raised by cis hetero parents. But we can't ask the 400,000 children in our nation's foster system to wait for agencies and and officials to put their welfare above personal bias. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand and Representative John Lewis have each introduced the Every Child Deserves a Family Act to end state level discrimination and give those kids a shot at finding loving, permanent homes. The Family Equality Council is supporting this legislation and has a fill in form at familyequality.org under the Connect tab. The letter will go out to your national legislators asking them to sign on as co sponsors and to the local and state officials depending on the specific legal landscape in your area. In the meantime, if you or someone you know needs help establishing a legal parent-child relationship, the ACLU has a confidential help form you can fill out at ACLU.org through the LGBT rights issues page. The segment notes include all of the links to this information as well as additional resources and as always this and every activism segment we produce is archived and organized under the activism tab at BestOfLeft.com. If full equality And child welfare matters to you. Be sure to hit the share buttons to spread the word about the Every Child Deserves a Family Act via social media so that others in your network can add their support.
10: Activism.
11: Activism. Mm -hmm. Come on out from in front of the television. Bust out of your self imposed media prison. There's a whole big world out there, y'all, and some serious stuff is going on. Civil war intolerance, age obliteration, the usual madness, but not enough frustration about what's troubling Earth's nations. The spotlight will not be your savior in these dark days, and it will not be your saving grace. Why not replace your dreams of gracing life stage
9: with action? Big news action. from the Boy Scouts action. today. The Boy Scouts action. have ended their ban on gay adults. And as uh, employees and volunteers within the organization, the full executive board, you will be pleased to know, Lewis, voted 45 to 12 in favor of making the change immediately. This came after the National Executive Committee unanimously approved a resolution saying that no adult applicant for registration as an employee or non-unit serving volunteer who otherwise meets the requirements of the Boy Scouts of America may be denied registration on the basis of sexual orientation the boy scouts of america president is robert gates the former secretary of defense he called for an end to the ban good news i guess right uh... yeah seems like good news is there something i'm missing here there is something you're missing which is that the change still allows religiously affiliated troops to determine their own policies with regard to lgbt adults a lot of these individual Boy Scout troops or charters are uh, uh organized, chartered by nonprofits, oftentimes churches, and they are going to be allowed to continue banning LGBT individuals. What does the Human Rights Campaign think of the religious exemption? They say including an exemption for troops sponsored by religious organizations undermines and diminishes the historic nature of today's decision. Yeah, the, the Boy Scouts of America is basically saying, listen, as an organization, we are not going to discriminate, flat out say we don't hire gay people. We're not going to do that. But any individual troop that wants to decide to just flat out not hire people on the basis of sexual orientation, that's absolutely okay. It's great that they said they're not going to discriminate, but they're still very much involved in this thing by saying it's fine for our troops to de- 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 decide on their own whether to ban gay people.
0: This just seems like a a PR move. This would be essentially like if the Supreme Court said, well, we're just going to leave it to the states, right? Uh, Basically
9: the same thing. Religion is arbitrary and self-professed, so we really need to understand what we're dealing with when you get exceptions and exemptions to rules for religious beliefs. This is like... Uh, saying, uh, what's a good example, Lewis, right? I mean, say, let, let t- give me an example of something that really is a, uh, a self-professed belief, an arbitrary belief that someone holds, which you could then go and say, listen, as a result of that, we need to be allowed to break rules. Religion has this sort of unique place where we say, whoa, if it's because of your religion that you believe this insane, hateful, discriminatory stuff, then the rules don't apply to you. But otherwise, they do. I I cannot think of another situation in which that's the case, at least not in this country. Uh, Religion seems to be the only one. The next real fight along LGBT rights lines, now that gay marriage is legal nationally, involves several elements. Employment discrimination, you can still be fired for being gay in many states, that needs to end so-called religious freedom we already saw that ramping up for the last year and a half or two years before the big supreme court decision last month so-called religious freedom is going to be used to deny rights to lgbt individuals and discriminate against them housing discrimination turning down gay individuals or couples for housing based on their sexual orientation And of course we have significant discrimination still against transgender individuals, even sometimes within the uh, LGB community. So these I see as the big issues for LGBT rights going forward.
8: Hi Jay this is Nathan from Vancouver Washington and uh, I'd just like to concur with the episode of uh, where they talked about with the, about sex workers where they talked about the couple for instance that had relationship issues and and amongst those sometimes is, is sexual incompatibility where one is, is much more highly sex than the other and legal safe sex work is I think a good tool for a couple that might otherwise be able to raise children together and you know run a household together and things like that there's another angle to this issue that my wife and i have been talking about because my wife is a massage practitioner and she's an attractive asian woman and so there's certain stereotypes that she has to work pretty hard to avoid and she manages to do okay just by the sheer kind of medical professional nature of her office and so forth So she doesn't give off really that kind of stereotypical Asian happy ending massage vibe, but she's actually starting to come on board with the idea of the legalization of it from a self-interested aspect of if you can look on the internet or in the yellow pages for happy ending massage, then regular massage therapists who are not in it for that are no longer going to be harassed about it. It's like, go to the happy ending place to get your happy ending. Here I just do car accidents and sports massage and things like that. So it's that's another aspect to look at too, is the, the, the massage practitioners and acupuncturists and all the other activities that, that often act as a front for prostitution-like activities, it takes the pressure off of them that they no longer, you know, are going to be pressured because, like I said, the place with happy endings has a sign that says "Happy Endings" forty bucks, and you no longer need to bug, you know, my wife or people like her for that sort of thing because that's not what they provide. Thanks, and I appreciate the show. Bye. Hey,
10: okay, this is Vicky from Oregon. I wanted to leave a message about a couple of your recent programs First of all, Wade was so frustrated about the um, food waste and I have a suggestion. Go to gleaners.org g-l-e-a-n-e-r-s dot org. This is a organization in Portland, Oregon that um, collects food that would otherwise be wasted and distributes it This is a volunteer organization. There are similar organizations around the country. This is one I just happen to know about. Wade, get busy. You can start your own gleaning organization. Contact farmers, other people that might be wasting food, collect it, and distribute. And I think it was Jill who um, asked everyone to pay attention to their libraries and maybe go to their libraries. And one thing she didn't mention was that libraries are a really good place for people who are homeless or who can't afford a computer to go and get online, or even people who are transient. I actually have used libraries when I was traveling um, before the days of tablets and all that. And so it's... It's a great place for someone who might otherwise not be able to apply for a job to go and get online or just to do research or just whatever they need. And also, one of the things that I thought about during Occupy, and I just didn't have time to get this going, was um, the possibility of Occupy your library by donating your favorite books or videos or audio books or whatever to make them available to, especially in places that don't have a big book budget, librarians are often open to um, putting books on their shelves if they're in good shape, and that would be a good way to get information out to other people. So, that's it. Thanks. Bye.
6: Hey Jay, it's Chris from Colorado Springs. Long time no call. I've been uh, busy. Started my uh, new career teaching, so it's been awesome. And I'm a little behind on the episodes, but I just listened to the one on uh, sex workers with Nathan's voice note at the end. And I just had a, a little thing to add. It's interesting because I'm teaching my kids this book by Ann Rand called Anthem. And it's funny because you bring up, he brought up freedom as the ultimate goal of government. And you brought up, well, I'm this other author that said maybe it's happiness might. My issue with the happiness argument is, you know, happiness for whom? I think implicit in that argument is that, you know, if your happiness is somehow boosted by the happiness of people around you, and, you know, for decent human beings like yourself, Jay, and like Nathan, and like me, probably all the listeners to your show, that is true. If we see our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers happy, it tends to increase our happiness. The unfortunate thing, though, is out there in the world, there's a lot of people who really don't give a shit about your happiness and they will stomp all over your face and shove it in the mud if it means that their happiness has increased just one little scintilla. So I don't know if that's the ultimate goal then either because then it just perpetuates this idea of, you know, self as the number one thing and so long as self is good, you know, nuts to everything else in the world. You know, I didn't disagree with any of the things Nathan kind of ticked off in that list either. The unfortunate thing about libertarians, and this is not exclusive to libertarians, I mean, we've been having... Um, Well, we, the progressive side has been having this argument over Bernie Sanders and Black Lives Matter. So, I mean, there's fractures in every political wing, if you will. But you can't get a straight answer out of any libertarian about what libertarianism is. I mean, he said that, yes, taxes are kind of owed because the government is creating this freedom for you. And other compulsory services may or may not be owed. And, you know, Nathan did concede, you know, that's where it gets a little sticky. And, I mean, I know some libertarian people having just graduated from college, good Lord, who... The idea of taxes, anything aside from small local taxes, is just it it, it's fascism to them. And it makes absolutely no sense at all. And you could say the same thing about just about any of the other points that he ticked off. Obviously the the pollution being creating a harm against the commons. You know, people will say the earth is not a commons, the earth is private, the earth is, is owned by people, so if I destroy my land, who cares what if the runoff happens to run onto yours? And it goes on and on and on, and that's the frustrating thing with libertarianism. They have some pretty great ideas that align with progressivism uh, pretty well. It's just that they're kind of schizophrenic in their message. can't get a straight answer out of, well, you get a straight answer, it's just the straight answers don't align from any of them. So, yeah, I'm not exactly sure what the role of government is. Freedom, happiness, liberty, equality, fairness. But I don't think that's necessarily a problem. I haven't quite figured out what the ultimate goal of government should be. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, I've really enjoyed the shows lately, man, and I hope all is well. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to the volunteers who helped gather our clips to make this show possible. Thanks to Katie Klubusik for all of her work on our social media outlets and activism segments. And thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you'd like to leave a comment or question of your own to be played on the show, you can either record a message on the voice memo app of your phone and email it to me, j at bestoftheleft.com, or leave a voicemail at 202-999-3991. Now, I want to add something to today's episode, and let's do it in the form of a little test, just, just real quick. So, this may be information uh, that you had not come across before. There are members of the LGBT community who opposed the fight for marriage equality. And I'm not talking about conservative gay people who are only interested in lower taxes and don't care about marriage. No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying there are some liberal activists, members of the LGBT community who opposed the fight for marriage equality. Okay, so that was the test so the the test was what was the thought that went through your head uh, if you oppose same sex marriage, you may have just thought, oh, you know, interesting, some rational gay people, finally, but you know for most of you, if you support same sex marriage, you probably had about one of two thoughts. Uh, first is that's ridiculous. Why would they think that that's so self what are they self hating or you know who knows what's going on, but that's a ridiculous position to have. And the other thought you may have had was, oh, interesting. Why would they have thought that? Now, a few weeks ago, I was talking about the benefits of listening before reacting. And I was talking about how that was a skill that I I sort of had learned. And, you know, I'm always trying to improve that skill and and be better at it. And, you know, just focus on listening more than reacting, uh, especially quickly and loudly. And learning about this segment of the LGBT community was one of the examples from my past I had in mind because I did not react well the first time I heard about them and then had it explained to me and thought, oh, okay, that does make more sense. Uh, But yeah, my first thought was, what the fuck are they talking about? That is ridiculous. Get the hell out of here. So anyways, I I had it explained to me and the basic argument is uh, regarding marriage it's an extremely patriarchal and heteronormative institution, right? Has a history of, you know, it's an economic transaction where women are sold from one guy to another. And so why would gay people want to have anything to do with that, right? And while we're at it, gay acceptance into the military is pretty similar. You know, it's a very patriarchal institution. And so some argued that LGBT activists were putting all of their effort into getting a seat at a table where the food being served was terrible and that they should just say, well, fuck this table, let's go somewhere else. We don't want anything to do with your ancient heteronormative fucked up bullshit. And to be clear, you know, remember I said that these activists were opposed to the fight For marriage and military equality, Uh, they weren't necessarily opposed to equality. You know, if the institution saw fit to treat them equally, then that'd be great. But they weren't going to spend their time fighting for that equality because they had better things to do, which brings me to the second point. There are bigger problems that need to be dealt with. I mean, the LGBTQ community is terribly affected by homelessness and threats of violence and limited access to health care and just the getting the short end of the stick of the total lack of economic justice in our society and so on and so on. And one of the reasons that marriage was held up as so necessary was because of all of the rights and privileges that came along with it. But those who argued against putting their efforts into the fight for marriage equality were pointing out that those rights and privileges shouldn't be held out for only married people. Those who decide to remain unmarried just because that's what they want to do shouldn't be punished relative to those who decide they do want to get married just because the government decided to put their stamp of approval on the married lifestyle. All of those issues I mentioned and many more should be universally valued. And so, for instance, getting married shouldn't grant you access to your spouse's health insurance because everyone should just have health insurance that has nothing to do with your job or who you're related to. I mean, you see, in every issue where things are a little bit fucked up and bullshit for everyone in general, they are massively fucked up and bullshit for LGBT people, especially youth and people of color. Huge percentages of the homeless are LGBT. They are much more likely to be unemployed and therefore in poverty, unable to access proper healthcare, and under constant threat of violence. I mean, you know this. All of these issues have been covered in much more depth on the show. And my point is that I think it's just important to reflect on the fact that we've seen the fight for LGBT rights as somewhat linear. One by one, we've let regular gay people access our most old-fashioned patriarchal institutions. Now that Don't Ask, Don't Tell has been repealed and marriage equality is affirmed, we can move on to non-discrimination efforts and other issues and begin to point out that trans people are actual humans. But it took an unbelievable amount of effort to get those things pushed through, and it's interesting to think of what could have been accomplished had that effort been directed elsewhere. Obviously, all people should be able to get married, but is it more important that people get married or that people have access to healthcare or employment or housing? Now, to be fair, the counter-argument is that in order to win the next round of rights for LGBT folks— they needed to fight to be considered normal, which meant fighting to be included in beloved institutions like marriage and the military. Then, once people saw how normal gay people are, it would be easier to move on to the grittier topics. And there may be something to that. Polls certainly indicate that the general public are far more accepting of gay people and support non-discrimination laws for them than at any time in the past. And would the public support be so high if they had focused on an anti-violence campaign or a universal health care campaign instead? Obviously, there's no way to know, and it's clear that those who pushed for the marriage equality campaign won the debate. You know, it's, it's a moot point. That's what they pushed for, and that's what they got first, and now we just continue the fight for rights on all the other issues that are left over. I'm not saying that anyone in this debate was necessarily right or necessarily wrong and there's no way to know because we can't go back and try it a different way. I just think it's interesting to think about these things as we look back and see how we got from where we were to where we are. And as we look forward and, you know, we're sort of being reminded, oh yeah, now that marriage equality is affirmed, there are other issues we need to deal with. And it's good to point out that there have been people screaming that from the top of their lungs for decades. So that's going to be it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to those who support the show by becoming a member or making one-time donations, as that is absolutely how the program survives. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it, leaving glowing reviews on iTunes and Stitcher, and by donating your accounts at donateyouraccount.com slash bestoftheleft. Stay tuned into the show by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter, and for details on the show itself, including links to all of the sources and music used in this and every episode, All that information can always be found on the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you every Tuesday and Friday, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestofleft.com.
8: And it's a crying shame How we get so trained E am